medicine properly. Um, I must admit, I need to break the ice by saying that you have, you have one hell of a resume. Dude, <laughs> tell I, you guys. Yeah, I think, I think you've accomplished quite a lot in such a short period of time. It's actually very weird. Like, I think about it sometimes and I, I, I have issues with this as well because like um, from one aspect, one would think um, that um, this girl is not stable. You know, <laughs> this girl can stick to one thing at like, you know, and stick to one thing for a period of time. But I think it's just how my, my career has played out. And I'm, I'm kind of grateful for it because it has come with so much learning. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of <laughs> concerns around it as well. But yeah, it's part of the journey. Because <laughs> I mean, you seem like a very outspoken person and very expressive. But have you always been inclined to journalism? Have you always been, um, have you always been inclined to certain questions? Have you always been considerate in that, in that regard? Um, it's actually very weird because I I, nev- I never actually thought I'd gravitate towards like towards journalism and even media, but I've always been one person who's like constantly questioning things. You know, I'm naturally very inquisitive. So, um, when you tell me something, it's it's not good enough that you're just telling me something and asking me to believe it. You need to prove it to me. Mm-hmm. So it was never good enough for someone to actually tell me that the sky is blue. I needed to understand why the sky is blue. You know, like and and have those details around it and then and only then I would be satisfied but I've always been a very naturally inquisitive person who wanted like I've always just wanted to understand why the world is the way that it is yeah. and I'm not really really expressive I'm actually very shy <laughs> okay. but I guess being in the industry has has compelled me to actually speak up more and and ask questions more because like there's this um stereotype this belief that people within journalism are naturally you know uh people's people like uh, people's persons and like people like people who like people really or or who have it easy with people but it's actually not the case some of us are very shy and i'm one of those i'm actually very shy but i talk a lot to to hide just how shy i am (laughs) But I've I've always been naturally inquisitive, and I guess that's how I gravitated towards journalism. I also come from a journalism background. My father was a photojournalist long before I was actually born, okay. and um, at home we had like this archive of like books and 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 articles and and um, photos from. Um, different events of our country and of our continent and they my parents like naturally loved watching the news so it was just this religious thing that would happen at home that at six or half to six or half to seven there's a particular time slot because we had like SAVP at that time I believe um we would just all watch the news you know and I hated it then I, I really did not like it then but I think as I grew older I actually grew to to appreciate it more and, and understand it more so I think um, my surroundings and my environment has uh, basically contributed to my love for journalism and me gravitating towards the media space and the journalism space as well so yeah I think that's how it happened it well, was never by plan and I'm happy that you pointed out especially with your dad's story because I feel that journalism, especially specifically black media, has such a great story to tell that I don't think has been told yet. And in many ways, one can argue that 
you know, iconic magazines like uh, Drum and Bona have such a great story to tell. And it's always intertwined with the country's history and how it's also liberated the country in many ways. Mm, very true. I think it was only when I um, had my footing in, in the space that I um, grew to understand the significance of like African writers, black writers, black journalists in the story of African journalism, because for the longest time I had the understanding and many of us, when we joined this space, have the understanding that um, African people had no footing into, like they had no, no, no footprint in the industry. But then as you grow into this space, as you learn more about it, you start reading about the drum writers, uh, your Net Nakasas, your, your Ken Tembas, you know, the, your, your blog Modicelle. So you, you read about these people and then you understand just how significant a black journalism or African journalism or the African narrative and storytelling um, ha- have contributed to, to um, where we are and also just advancing and highlighting the plight of our people. So um, when you're exposed to that kind of that aspect of journalism and that space of, of the industry, you start to basically appreciate it more and look at it from a different perspective because um, yeah, for the longest time, it was just like, you know, when you think you've, basically found footing within the industry by accident. Um, there's, a, there's a level of not taking it too seriously. And when you just understand, just when you grow to understand the significance of journalism and the significance of being in this space, I think um, that's when you start to look at things differently and also just understand and take your role very seriously. Because I think a lot of us as journalists in, in the country, we literally don't take it seriously. Um, we Why we do don't you understand. Think that's the case? Um, I, I, don't know. I think the, the primary reason, reason could be that um, we come into um, the industry and the space with different intentions. So not everyone who comes into the journalism space actually wants to be the mouthpiece of society, um, um, the watchdog of, of government, and actually understands that journalism itself is very significant in any estate because it's like one of the most important, it's actually called the third estate. So um, journalism is very important. So some of us come into the space with very little and different intentions rather. So we come into the space um, with the intention to just like um, learn how to write and then only later maybe uh, venture into a communications job. We come into the industry because um, we think it's kind of cool. So I've met very little people within the space who actually understand the significance of journalism as well. And I think what also contributes to the very little morale like that journalists have as well is um, society as well, and their understanding of journalists um, as well. And that goes down to government and down to society as well. And I think I understand that maybe we have a more bigger role to play in actually building footprint and and societal understanding of the significance of journalism within the country. But um, yeah, there's very little morale. So I I think it's it's a it's a myriad of reasons. It's there are like quite a number of reasons. Um, But yeah, it's 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 something that's there and it's an issue. It's a problem. I think it's I think it's very important you mention that because you you Probably you, you probably hit the nail there. A lot of people do seem to get 
very complacent, especially when they get into a certain position. Um, whatever the position, you could be an investigative journalist, you could be a sports journalist, whatever the case is, I think over time, people don't realize their role. People don't understand why, um, what changes they can make within that journalist, um, journalism field. And it's quite sad when you, t- when you mention it now, because I think that um, the advent of social media has also changed the, the realms of it too, because anybody could be a citizen journalist now. Anybody can tell a story. So that kind of dilutes the quality of your story too. True. Um, and it's, 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 it's actually citizen journalism and the fourth industrial revolution say, in the continent, in the globe. So it's not just here. Um, it's, it's, it's something that's universal right? Um, journalism is in a space, and journalists as, um, as well, they're in a space where they have to um, reinvent themselves to adapt with the times. So it's no longer good enough that you're just a good writer, and it's no longer good enough that you're like just a good story finder. You need to be able to incorporate digital understanding into that as well. You need to understand a bit of marketing. So it's, it's forced us to move significantly from our comfort zones. And I know the conversation itself has been ongoing. It's not something that started now because I remember when I was still um, in my, my, my training program at Captain. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of conversation about um, around um, uh, where, where print media is going, you know, um, the things that are happening around the le- landscape. And at that particular point, it was mostly issues around citizen journalism. It's no longer just good enough to be able to find stories. Now you need to be able to understand a bit of marketing. Now you need to understand a bit of the digital space. Now you need to learn more and understand SEO um, a bit more better, you know. So um, at that particular point, when I was still at Caxton, um, the Caxton really, Caxton newspaper before, newspapers before I moved to digital and there was a conversation around citizen journalism and how it was basically um, a constraint I guess and a challenge to the journalism landscape because now um, people ordinary people were breaking stories Um, ordinary people were um, on, on, on the front line of what's happening in their communities and coming up with you know starting the conversation which basically puts a bit of panic um, to journalists, to people who are actually trained to do that properly as well, because there's also an aspect of training and understanding, right? So there was the conversation around that when I started. And um, later on, it moved to the fourth industrial revolution, how um, the digital space is actually changing traditional journalism. So there was a lot of panic. I came into the space um, with all of that happening around. And I guess um, like many other young journalists, I guess we're fortunate because being in that uncomfortable space forced us to to adapt to new ways and actually understand. You know, when you're accustomed to an old way of doing things, it's, it's somewhat very difficult to ad- adapt to a new kind of system and a new way of thinking about um, the industry. But then we were, we, we were actually, we came into the space, into the environment with that kind of, with those conditions and, and those issues. And we, we had to find our footing. So I think what's happening with a lot of journalists now, um, is that we're trying to, we're really trying to find our footing and our understanding. And I think the worst thing that could happen with this particular, in this particular climate is um, having journalists look at this as um, a challenge or 
um, a disadvantage because I think what it has actually provided us is an opportunity to actually bring about a new way of thinking and a new way of understanding when it comes from when it comes to a journalist when it comes to journalism and understanding of journalism as well and how we do things you know so yeah it's 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 a very challenging time but I think it's also a very exciting time exciting time indeed I mean I think the biggest story in print media was obviously Caxton um, d- diminishing their entire print media establishment. Well, not print media, but in regards to their magazine establishments. And there's so many iconic magazines there. And I think it was very sad when I saw this. But like you said, the advent of fourth, the fourth industrial revolution does come with a lot of changes. And ultimately, people need to adapt to those changes. And I think you are quite lucky because, I mean, you've already been used to social media. It's not like the old people that have been at Caxton for so long and now need to transition mm-hmm. into the space. And you've hit the nail there. But I also think there's a lot of pros and cons in this in this conversation because the pros are that people like yourself can adapt to it and turn into the digital sphere. And we all know what the digital sphere has done for so many people. I think it creates many jobs. It creates a lot of independent uh, thinkers. But the cons are that quality speaks volume. One can sell a story within a paragraph and leave so much content and you know narrative story and a lot of a lot of a lot of um, news coming from the digital sphere is not credible actually most of it isn't true and i think that's where the opportunity is for for us journalists and people who actually have experience within this space and have studied this space i think we our role is basically to to understand those shortcomings and find ways to 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 make them opportunities for us and the industry you know because we can't always just be compli- compliant you know because that's that's what we, that's what we, we, we we've actually become i feel like journalists are actually part passive a lot of journalists in the country are passive participants in in, in the in the society in society and what's happening you know i think what if anything um, what's happening right now um, is just providing a lot of opportunity for us to think about things differently and find these shortcomings that you mentioned and actually find ways to make them opportunities for the industry to actually advance the industry itself and, and, and grow uh, the media landscape um, of, of this country. Do you think that your participation in the content production at Caxton Digital really propelled you and how you think in the television sphere? A lot of um, my understanding of journalism and production and content um, actually comes from, I got a lot of that from um, uh, Vits Journalism and Voice of Vits because um, during my time there, I was um, a news reporter and, and a journalist. So what they do there is basically teach you about this space and teach you about journalism ethics and journalism standards and how to actually write a good story, how to find a, a good story, how to report on issues. So I think a lot of that I learned from um, my time at Voice of Bits and... and, and um, Bits Radio Academy. So what happened is that when I joined um, Caxton Newspapers, I actually had a lot of my understanding of 
journalism from my previous background. So it was just like cementing and 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 just cementing what I already knew. So um, what Caxton Digital did for me and the Caxton space rather is create an understanding of the digital space and how to utilize that in storytelling and journalism. So I, I think what Caxton did for me mostly is just ignite the desire to to actually learn more about the digital space and it has also just taught me about the space as well um social media seo web design so that's where the love the love for that um kind of space started um but when it comes to journalism and um finding a good story and the, the basics and the principles of journalism. I think I learned a lot of that during my time at Voice of Vits and the Vits Radio Academy. I must admit, Voice of Vits has really produced quite a lot of remarkable people in the, in the industry. Um, a lot of critical thinkers. I think it does change the narrative. It changes the way you think. It changes the notion of how you want to... How A lot of independent thinkers. And I think... I'm I'm really impressed with the voice of it because there's quite a number of people I can name, and uh, it's it's I mean now that you mention it, it only it makes makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, there's there's quite a number of us. Um, yeah, I I would not know where to start because there's so <laughs> many in the industry and within the space. Yeah. Um, but I think what the space actually does for young budding journalists and people who have the aspiration to actually um, be practitioners within the media spaces. It allows you to find your voice, and it's very significant that it's called Voice of Vits because one of the basic things that um, being in that space does for you is al- allowing you to find who you are as a, a media person, as as a, an individual, also because I know a lot of us grew. Um, from a personality perspective, from an individualistic, like an individual perspective as well. So I think what it does is just allows you to find your footing. And they've never actually dictated to us how we should actually um, um, perceive the industry and what impact we should actually, you know, want to to bring into the space. But they allow you to find your footing and establish on your own what you want to be. So. A lot of them actually, I, I know a lot of people who start at Voice of Vits as in a particular role. So maybe they'll be in like marketing and soon after that, you, they gravitate towards the news kind of side and the, 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 journal, the journalism side of everything. I know people who started in journalism um, as news reporters and now content are like music producers or something like that. So it, it's, it was just like a space where we could learn and explore the different aspects of journalism and understand the different mediums within the journalism space as well. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's just the space where I think a lot of us have found our footing and I think it's contributed so much to um, creating such um, a wealth of industry professionals because they allow us to be ourselves. And, and that, we that is extremely it. important. So important. Yeah, yes, because uh, yeah, there are a couple of us really. I, I would not know where to start. I yeah. know um, 
I'm not sure if it's names or spectacular, but one of the two uh, comes from Voice of Brits. We have Musagazi, who's also from Voice of Brits. We have Masa Sambangani, who's an actor now, one yeah. of the biggest actors in the country. Um, so I know a lot of us gravitated towards different spaces. Though we started there, but yeah, it it we 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 moved to different dimensions and different spaces within the media landscape. So I think what the space really did is allow us to find our voices and find, find, discover who we want to be. And in that, creating um, people who would go into different avenues or different spaces and mediums of, of media and actually have um, um, impact and, and actually have like um, amazing, you know, contributions within the space. That is actually very important because I think in, especially in the field of just media in general, one needs to learn how to adapt to many other careers and many positions because it is a cutthroat industry and one can easily get, well, I wouldn't say fired, but one can easily get moved from one person <laughs> to another, you know? And it's, it's, you need to know how to maneuver around it. I could be a radio presenter one day. The next day I could be um, head of programming. So, I think that's also another thing that people need to take note of is that fine, we all love journalism, but I think you're right. People love certain aspects of it. And maybe that's where the complacency comes in because people don't realize that they're coming into a field where they need to adapt to certain changes, but also need to maneuver around changes when, as time progresses. Very true. And I think also um, what journalism also is, right, is because when I started, I have maybe maybe let's talk about when I started. Okay. I had this traditional understanding of like journalism just being a space where um, you find stories, you report, um, you you. I don't even know what I thought when I started, really. <laughs> but it wasn't what I had in mind was very different to what would then become my realities at a much later stage because um yeah it was it was it was very different from from the image and the perspective and and the idea that i had about journalism and the experience the day-to-day experiences as well were very different to what i had anticipated they would be so i think yes we really need to understand that um journalism itself is very broad um i think that's why a lot of people come into these spaces and it's justifiable as well for people to come into these spaces with different intentions as well and 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 different um goals and you know things that they want to achieve within the space because also the space is also really broad um but i still think that as as journalists if you identify as a journalist and you actually studied that mm. um you need to take it a bit more seriously than we actually do now <laughs> well also in, i think innovation speaks volume too and how you so, approach yeah. things all right um your role i think a major, a major leap in your short career move. <laughs> Let me say it like that. <laughs> in your short career space was jumping into um, with FGP Media and um, Soweto TV, and your your the Timodisa show 
it seems like a very complex show because I mean just his persona himself he's very inclined to politics but he's also inclined to many other things and social stuff he can talk to many people and that require a lot of content a lot of um, creative thinking and how you approach questions how you create um, different content tell us about your stint mm-hmm. there and what what are your experiences are and what did you do wrong there I don't want to say what you did right what do you think you did wrong <laughs> Shoot. Um, so you um I think what happened there, um hmm. um you can imagine um I think it was one of the biggest um opportunities of my career really. And <laughs> um I don't think I just realize I, I sometimes I don't think I realize just how big that space and that opportunity was or is for me rather because um imagine you're just like a young journalist a young um media practitioner i'm not even sure we can call you a media practitioner at that point but you're just a young person who's finding their footing within journalism and within media and then this huge opportunity comes um to produce for one of the biggest names in the country and obviously Iconic like names. any young people, <laughs> obviously like any young person really we 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 explorers you know we, are, we we take chances and i think that is both blessing and a curse so we go into the space i go into the space i'm not even realizing i'm not even thinking about um what i'm getting myself into mind you i have very little television production experience i actually have no television experience really so, so how, how do you, to, sorry sorry for cutting <laughs> you short that how on earth would they take such a major risk because clearly there needs to be something in your resume that stands out clearly there needs to be something that provokes them to tell them no you know what she she's the lady she's the lady for the job i think it was my background in radio really because during my time in radio i had i was fortunate enough to have like a lot of radio nominations for content and um a lot of like um awards and accolades within the space for my my role as a producer so um i think also what contributed then is that the team wanted someone with like digital experience right um and and digital understanding so i come into the space i'm recruited into the space on the basis of what i've done in my previous radio during like experience in my previous radio roles and what i've done also within the digital space so yeah i i i come into the space and very little understanding of television <laughs> but also the but then um a storyteller and i think that's one of the most important aspects of it really because a radio um television and um social media and the digital space those are all mediums and a storyteller will find ways to navigate the space because that is the basis of everything being able to tell a story being able to drive a conversation to create a, a conversation and being able to to basically understand what people are talking about and what they need to talk about so i think that is where the opportunity was for me um i may not have been like a television producer then but i was i was a storyteller and um i had um vast journalism experience so i guess they they basically said okay let's take a chance on this girl on the basis of that and i had um a director and i had one of my senior producers then 
walk me through the journey and walk me through the experiences. And it wasn't always easy. <laughs> and then I think it's very important you ask what 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 did I do wrong within this space? I did so much wrong. <laughs> I think no, you know what? The reason why I pose this question is because I think a lot of people uh, tend to do a lot of things wrong, but never tell wh- what they did wrong. And I think whoever's listening and who's about to get into the space that you were in, or who you're still in, need to know so they don't need they don't make the same mistake. You know, and I think that's how mm-hmm. people sharpen the sword and propel into a better yeah, space. True, and so I think one of the things that I actually did wrong, um, if I'm just gonna find something from the top of my head, <laughs> is um, there was a time. So I, I went into the space um, with very little understanding of the television space as well, and also just like I had not propelled myself to actually understand that the space is different, right? There may be there may be like a common denominator between like all the mediums, but the medium itself is actually very different. So I think that was one of my mistakes. Another one of my mistakes is that, um, you know, with with some aspects with print, really, um, you. You you find a guest who's um, relevant to 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 speak on a particular topic, and um, so they say something, and you you basically write it down, and sometimes you par- paraphrase it into something that makes sense, right? And then in TV, it's not good enough to have someone who's just good enough, who's 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 um who's um re- who's who's right to speak on a particular issue or subject. They yeah. need to be able to speak. They need to have a certain look for television. They need to. So there's a lot of that. So I, I remember when Unnecessary I makeup. Out, <laughs> when I started out, you know, you'd like literally call, you'd, you'd find a guest or you 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 find someone who speak on a particular issue. And that person is qualified to speak on that. Um, but then, and, 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 and print it would fly. But in TV, they need to be articulate. They need to be able to speak and they need to be able to handle an interview. So sometimes you call someone who's qualified to speak on on a particular issue, but is actually not able to do it on television. And then now it's on you as a producer. You need to explain to the director and to the team how you actually chose this particular thing. So so when I started out, um, guest selection was one of my biggest problems, um, issues and challenges. Because sometimes I just call the most weirdest people, and I remember my senior producer saying, "You, you are just going to get it. You are just going to get it, like literally." And um, the coolest thing is that um, Timothy is one of the most coolest. Really, he's one of the most amazing, amazing um, elders within the space because um, he he there was a level of understanding really of like so he he worked with. Um, a dom- predominantly young team so we were all very young and he was the elder within the space he was the eldest he was the Wait, who are you referring to okay. so he was like the oldest within the space and we were all very young you know the, the entire team it was just young people so i think he he understood that really and he wanted to work with young people as well because he's always emphasizing how he actually enjoys working with young people because we we take chances, you know, we take risks. 
And in taking risks, there's opportunities as well because you find a new way of doing things, really. So he's always emphasizing how he's actually, he likes working with young people. And I think in all of that, he also understands that with working with young people, there'll be like a lot of challenges and there'll be days that are not so good and days that are actually really great. And accommodates a different way of thinking about things and thinking about um, the industry and the space and um, being able to to accommodate young people also has has contributed to him actually staying relevant for such a long time because mm. um, I know that like a, in in any industry so it's not just journalism but different industries and we see a lot of that in politics where. Um, the older generation is not much receptive to new ideas and young people. And I think that in itself provides like a huge, you know, disadvantage. It's not an opportunity at all because young people have the solutions and young people have um, the ideas that could change things. Um, what we don't have is an, an environment and a society and reality that's um, willing to accommodate that different way of thinking or these ideas and these these fresh perspectives. That is very to... unfortunate. That is very unfortunate. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why the unemployment rate is really high. It's extremely high because yeah, really. their positions as gatekeepers speak volume. <laughs> I mean, why? Like literally, I mean, I don't understand, especially in politics. Yeah, what are you it's, doing? It's deplorable. <laughs> really. I think if we had more young people within like leadership and more young people being accommodated, really accommodated into these spaces, because um, it's one thing just hiring a young person, but not allowing them to speak. Because I know a lot of people, young industry professionals who have spoken about that of, or complained about that, um, that we're, we were taken into these spaces, but our opinions don't really matter, you know? And whenever you try to raise like a, a different idea or bring about a different idea, the reception to that is not really welcoming or warm. So it's not it's not just a journalism thing. I think it's just something we need to move away from and actually have young people um, take leadership roles and young people um, being, being put on the forefront to actually drive change. Sorry if I'm very philosophical, but do you think it's also because of our worldviews as African people? I think it has a lot to do with that. And mm. um, it has a lot to do with like, um, our history as African people and where we, where we come from as well, right? Um, the reality is that um, as a country, I'm not even talking about um, um, uh, ourselves as a continent, but as a country, our democracy is actually just 25 years. We, we've just had like 25 years of this democracy. And the, ch- the reality is that a lot of the older generation are only now actually finding footing and actually being accommodated in these spaces that they were previously not allowed to play in. And with that, there comes a lot of like, no, but I haven't really, you know, like really enjoyed the space or I haven't really contributed or done what I think I need. I to haven't do made my space. strides at the age of 70. Yeah. So there's very little, so there's very little space. You know, you know, so they're trying to actually find their footing as well and do what they thought or, or their ideas are like the ideas that they thought things, the things that they thought they would implement, you know? So with that, I think that also comes into play apart from us being a, a, a very traditional uh, society where hierarchy is a thing. But I think also the fact that a lot of the aspects of our democracy is a, 
a lot of things in, in our country are still relatively new. So I think that also has an, an impact in that, in the, in, in, in the thing, and yeah, older people not being receptive to, or just not wanting to move because they're not, they're not it's not just a matter of being receptive. It's, it's also a, a matter of actually moving away so young people can actually lead where they're able to. So I think there's, there's a lot of factors and there are a lot of reasons to, to this issue. A typical day in the life of a digital strategist. Tell me about that. So the first, there are different aspects to that as well, because um, um, a typical day is me coming into my office, um, surfing the internet, seeing what's relevant, what people are talking about. And then I go onto my platforms, the platforms that we manage, um, seeing how they're doing, looking at the stats, um, how they're performing on um, the World Wide Web, um, on search engines rather. So the typical day is just you checking for numbers, you check, checking what people are talking about, you che- checking the different conventions that people are using because the thing is they're changing all the time. Mm-hmm. So um, what was a thing in the digital space last week is not necessarily a thing this week. So there's no guarantee um, that it, it's actually what we're doing right now. So the space itself is constantly rapidly moving so um a typical day is just checking if things are still <laughs> as you last left them <laughs> and also just checking for numbers checking for stats checking for engagement are people interacting with your content um the way that you would like them to or is your strategy um having or the the right results or the anticipated results or the results that you you guys desire so that's basically the typical day just looking and checking um just staying on the loop and abrupt of what's happening in the internet it's a very it's a very important role especially in 2020 because it would seem to me is that you're bridging the gap between the technical elements of what google needs to see and the behavior of what the consumer needs to see in regards to resources you're, you're basically bridging that gap. True. And uh, what makes it even trickier, really, is that trends are changing all the time. So what people liked yesterday may not be ne- necessarily be what they like today. Mm. So the space is constantly changing as well. So you, you just always have to be, you know, just you, you need to know, you know, what people are talking about. You need to know what's what's relevant, what's popping, what's new. And yeah, so so it's, it's it's a very tricky space, and there are a lot of like aspects to it as well. But I think what it it employs you to do is think all the time. And another thing that it it actually allows us to do is think creatively, because the space is allowing us to think creatively all the time. So it's not just good enough to have a copy go up like the internet. Um, it needs to be thought out. It needs to be strategic. It needs to be creative. It needs to be enticing. So you constantly have to think differently about the content you're putting out. And I know that the team, we're, we're so we're a team of very creative people as well. And everyone has their own um aesthetic niche and you know their style and their tone so there's always that and it's also just balancing the different dynamics of what we bring in terms of our creativity and um our, our styles so it's, it's it's a very it's competitive space it's a very competitive space but it's also very exciting and um very challenging i would assume that you as well any person for that matter needs to be knee deep into social media true and the weird thing is that a lot of people actually assume that um 
a digital strategist or uh, a, a publicist or a PR person would have like massive, ma- a massive following, you know, because, but then the reality is that sometimes <laughs> we're using our corporate space, our corporate accounts to actually do these things. Yeah. So it's not something we always do within our own social media platforms and in our own capacities, but you can just guarantee that we're on Twitter, you know, we know what's trending. Um, we know what people are talking about on Facebook. We know um, what what the big story of the day is because you constantly need to know those things as well. But I think it's a very <laughs> it's a very unfortunate uh, <laughs> something to um, to think that someone who's a digital strategist would have control. And yeah, <laughs> I think you're, you're you're probably the first person i know from a personal level maybe that i know that is a digital strategist because i don't know many is it a, is it a competitive field i know i know a lot I, I know a couple from the u.s i know one who's my, one of my close friends from ghana mm-hmm. um in south africa i yeah. <laughs> i don't know i i i don't know i think also maybe i think maybe the title digital strategist is i think maybe there are a lot of people who do what we do but they don't identify as digital strategists i don't know but um i don't know a lot (laughs) it's really interesting it's actually really interesting db communications tell me about that so it's it's a company i started with uh, my brother i think last year we, we 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 couldn't we couldn't even have anticipated i don't i don't know because like when we started it it was just like a thing of okay we now we, we want to start something different we want to have something that's um of our own like we want to have our own voice you know um we want to because we're literally doing things within the space like we do he does a lot of marketing and i do a lot of like um pr communications journalism but it was never within a structure mm. so we thought okay let, let's start something you know um I know it was earlier last year in January (laughs) and um, the growth has been massive really because in just like a very short period of time we have had um, I think it's a blessing of like literally just getting one of the biggest like clients and the biggest accounts in the country Um, I don't know how it happened (laughs) Um, I think I think it's just always just I don't know it, it was just like a leap of faith that had, I, I think the stars had aligned really because um, in, in just a short period of time, um, yeah, our, our team has grown exponentially. We, we started up with just like a team of two and now there's like seven of us. Um, we started out with just like one client and now we have like a, a whole we we have a couple a, a whole list of of people we manage and brands we manage and these are like brands that are bigger than ourselves really so i think it was just the universe aligning and the universe deciding that it was time and just also taking the leap of faith i did mention earlier on that young people are people who just take risks mm. you know and i think it was just one of that. <laughs> do, do, you, do you think, I mean, yes, the universe is, speak, is speaking on your behalf, but do you also think that you guys are doing something qualitatively different? I don't know if it's different, really. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I mean, surely if, something needs to stand out. I don't think anybody could make such major strides in, within a year. <laughs> I, don't, 
I literally don't know if we're doing anything different, but what I know is that we're where a lot of our clients are speak to who we are and what we believe in really. So um a lot of them are pan African. A lot of them a lot of the businesses actually have the African agenda to to advance the African voice, you know, to to have more black to more have more black businesses stand out. So I think um it is mostly just um we 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 have always had that aesthetic. We have always had the aesthetic of being unapologetic about um our our ways as Africans, you know. Why why uh, is that so important to you, Kanisile? It's important because the African narrative. Because I find it very important, but I mean we may have different answers. Why do you find it very important? I think it's important because firstly it speaks to who we are. And it's you can never have a continent that is going to thrive or grow um that has very little understanding of who it is. So I think it's 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 very it's been very important to us to to stick to our voice and who we are because we feel that in that there can be real growth for the continent really because um as as a, 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 as a continent as as a country as an african community mostly a lot of our identity and our history has been lost in translation and lost mm. in and and where we come from so um a lot of the issues that we have as a society as well and as a continent stem from the loss of that identity so we've always felt that going back to ourselves will always just provide the answers to move a progressive uh, uh, move into a progressive continent and a progressive country because a lot of the times a lot of the things that we have um adapted to or gravitated towards were just like um um things that we you know like incorporated into who we are it's it's very you know when you're taking you're borrowing from different systems really mm. um it becomes really tricky because sometimes they will not really uh, assimilate into who you are or feed into who you are or they they could just be like a a conflict between that and who we who you are and who we are so i think a lot of um our our understanding was that um to be able to actually do things we need to actually understand ourselves and move into a space of understanding ourselves and africans as africans and being unapologetic about that really and not having cuz there's you know when you do things with a bit of doubt you know and you're doing things but there's that element of doubt there's mm. the, there's like the possibility that it's not going to work out but when you're unapologetic about your voice i think every other community and everyone is forced to accommodate that because you've accommodated it first so our 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 narrative or our voice is is basically nurtured by the understanding of us having to be uh africans and embrace africanism to be able to find things that work for us and actually discover who we are because then only then will be will we be able to move into who we want to be you know that so is very of- that is very very important and because the 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 narrative is that i think a lot of especially in the media space um we tend to be very eurocentric in our approach and i think it's it's the reason why we haven't developed as fast as we supposed to develop because storytelling speaks volume and storytelling is the reason why we are africans storytelling makes us um 
but we do a lot of things that which is way out of our our way of thinking and ultimately i think you're right you think i think you've hit it on you hit it head on there because the reason why i pose that question to you because i think you seem you seem like a person that's really inclined to the african world view and i think that is very important for somebody that's in the media space because now you're a mouthpiece for african stories mm, mm, true and a lot of our clients uh, are people who are of that that kind of perspective as well. So we have your Don Tandega Kings, who is an unapologetic African and who's always been trying to incorporate her Africanism into her her pers- her media, like her her personality mm. and how how society and how her her followers perceive her. So, and then we have your, your team Mudisas as well, who's, who's actually a staunch Pan-African. Mm. A lot of people on Twitter would disagree with this, but when you sit down with him, you, you actually realize that this man has big dreams and big aspirations for the continent. And he has absolutely nothing but love for the African community. But also things get lost in translation. <laughs> so um, a lot a lot of our client base and a lot of our people are people who want to to who who, who have a, a deep um deep love uh, for Africanism and for the continent itself and want to incorporate that into their voices. And I think that has made it easy for us as well because we come into the spaces that, you know, um, we don't come into the space as a Eurocentric um, media company or a communications company. We come as Africans. And I think that also just allows us to understand our people even more because um, we, we're, we're of the same language. And it helps us understand and w- understand how we can drive their visions um, out to the rest of the world as well. So I think w- our unique selling point has, has been our unapologetic stance when it comes to our love for, for Africa, our love for who we are, understanding that uh, our own systems and our own ways of doing things are actually very relevant and our, our need and desire to actually drive the African voice to other parts of the world and actually have us um, perceive them as, as, as trendy, as relevant, because the moment someone speaks of, of Africanism, you, 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 you like automatically think of backwardness um you think of um something that's not cool <laughs> you know so we wanted to move um have people move away from that idea and that is just like our mantra and our ideology you know to drive the african voice to to showcase african talent um not diluted really with other things you know because um, I, I don't believe that we constantly need to dilute who we are to be able to to fit into spaces because that's what the media landscape has told us for the very for the longest time, you know. It's very and it's, it's <laughs> yeah, so it's refreshing to see um the media space being receptive to new to to to, to embracing Africanism itself because it's it's happening all everywhere, you know. We're seeing a lot of people coming out as themselves and saying to the world, This is who I am. Um, this is what you must accept. And people are starting to warm up to that. So that is basically what we do. We drive brands with an African vision. We 
we we tell their story and we we help them find their voice and grow their voice and for us that has been very fulfilling for me personally i'm not going to speak for the team but <laughs> for me it has given me so much joy can you see i think you're a breath of fresh air i think i admire admire your work even more i think you've enlightened me and if anything just keep doing what you do because um besides the story of pushing the african narrative which should have been done 30,000 years ago but the idea that what you've done in such a short period of time is is definitely a mind-blowing thing for many people so thank you for participating thank you for joining brains behind media Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. And I look forward to to actually listening to the other conversations we're going to have with other media people and media practitioners. So thank you so much for allowing me a moment of your time.